0: didn't see that coming, did you? (laughs) Welcome to a new series. It's called Unexpected, and you just saw some unexpected things. And this is a great series because it's all about these real-life encounters between Jesus and specific characters in the book of Mark, and how unexpected their engagement with Jesus was. And you know, what we learn is that with Jesus, you should expect the unexpected. Would you agree? And uh, so, as we look together at this new series, I'm just really, really thrilled. I'm going to talk today out of Mark chapter 2. And uh, in this particular message, I'm going I'm to talk about an unexpected invitation. And um, that really reminds me of a recent trip that Lisa and I had the privilege of, uh, of uh, having together. We led a team, our second team, through Israel and Jordan. And uh, these are lands of the Bible, so there's so much to see and to discuss. And we were in the northern city of Jerash in Jordan. And uh, it's the largest Roman ruins outside of Rome itself. And so it's beautiful streets and columns and and different types of theaters and so on. And we made this gigantic circle around the, the whole property that has been excavated. And as we were kind of coming back, we were heading toward the theater. And we heard the sound of bagpipes. Now, when you're in Jordan, you don't expect to hear bagpipes. And so we asked our guide, "Why do we hear bagpipes?" And he said, "Oh, you haven't heard of the famous Royal Jordanian Bagpipe Band?" I said, "Just so happens I haven't." And uh, they were playing bagpipes, and I said, "You know, my wife plays the bagpipes. I've never—did you guys know that Pastor Lisa plays the bagpipes?" I and I and I told my guide, "I've never heard her play. Like she played as a child in Saskatchewan in the Bonnie Bluebells, all girls bagpipe band." velvet in the summer I mean like she's hardcore and so I've never heard her play the bagpipes so we start nearing this theater and all of a sudden we walk into the theater and Lisa gets an invitation a very unexpected invitation a Jordanian man takes his bagpipes off and hands them to Lisa and Lisa's like no 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 you don't share bagpipes right it's like spit and blowing and blech. no We don't do this. And I'm like, Lisa, I have never heard you play the bagpipes. Come on. When are you going to be in Jordan again? When are you going to be handed a bagpipe? I mean, my goodness. So I got my phone out already and she's still saying no. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. And Zach, our son is there. And my in-laws are there, Lisa's parents. And we're all like, you got to do it. You got to do it. So she's like, well, but it's like, Dirty, and so the guy, the Jordanian guy whose bagpipes they wear, takes his robe and cleans the (laughs) end. There you go, you're all set now, right? And so we got to stay on there. The whole team started coming into the theater, and as they're coming in, Lisa played the bagpipes for us. She played Scotland the Brave in northern Jordan with the Royal Jordanian Bagpipe Band. Now, she hadn't played in 25 years, so there was a few squeaks. But I'm going to say, not too bad, sweetie. Would any of you guys like to hear that video that I filmed? Okay. That's cool. That's... You got to see this. This is, this is Lisa playing the bagpipes. <laughs> you have to press by your hand also. Uh... You -in-law <gasps> <gasps> <laughs> you can't make this stuff up, can you? You just can't make it up. It was so much fun, and it was completely unexpected, and it's really, as I was kind of uh, developing this message, I thought about how unexpected some of these encounters that people had with Jesus would have been. It would have been this crazy. It would have been like an ice cream uh, uh, cone with lemons and limes on it, or a man on a, a golf ball instead of on the moon, right? It would have been absolutely crazy. And, and so as we look through some of these stories, just expect the unexpected. And it's, and it's exactly like today, this unexpected invitation. And the invitation was so cool because it was an invitation by Jesus into the most purposeful life that could ever be dreamed of. So I want, to join, I want you to join with me as we begin now to look at this great, great story in Mark chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 13 and 14 to start things. And so uh, it starts this way. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him and began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. Now, great little couple of verses, maybe you've heard it before, maybe you haven't, but I have a feeling it's going to come alive when you put yourself into the context. So go there with me. First of all, let's talk about the fact that this guy, Levi, was a tax collector. He's sitting at the tax collector's booth, which was literally like a toll booth on the road, Um, on this main route that goes through the city of Capernaum, which was Jesus's home base, not Nazareth, but Capernaum was his home base on the Sea of Galilee. He was walking along the lake, which would have been on the Sea of Galilee, where Capernaum is, came to the main road, and there was Levi at the tax collector's booth taking the toll on this major route between Syria and Egypt. And so as they were coming through, people would come through and they would be taxed. Now, the tax collectors were not very liked. The reason why is because they were nationals. In other words, they were Jews. But what they did is they took money from other Jews. And they took it for Herod and for Rome. And so this infuriated the Jew. And so you're going to get rich because anybody who was a tax collector got a really good cut. Because that's how they ensured that you would be okay to sell out your own people. And so he would put a lot of money in his pockets. He would have been dressed in fancy clothes. He would have had a very nice house. He would have had dinner parties. He would have other rich friends. But the average Israeli hated him. And so this man was very unlikely to be called by Jesus. In fact, there is no record anywhere in all of history that a well-respected rabbi chose a tax collector as a disciple. But Jesus tells him, come follow me. And he gets up and he follows him. It's very, very interesting when you think about the storyline. His name is Levi. And Levi is an important name in the Bible. In fact, if you go back, you realize that the Levites, which was a tribe in the nation of Israel, were the ones that were there to do the work of God. They're the ones that took care of the temple. They're the ones that set up for worship. They're the ones that carried all of the sacred things from place to place when they were with Moses in the wilderness. The Levites were supposed to serve God. But here, this Levite, his name being Levi, is actually serving himself and serving Rome. So he's not serving the right place. It's very interesting that his name, Levi, has meaning. You see, Levi was actually the third-born son of Jacob. And back in the day, Jacob had two wives. This is way back in the beginning of Israel's history. Jacob had two wives. One's name was Leah and one's name was Rachel. Rachel he loved, but Leah was the one that God blessed to have children. And so Rachel was barren, although he had she had his affections, she had Jacob's affection. It was Leah that was having children. And so she had child after child son after son. By the time she had her third son, she named him Levi. And you know why? She said, because now, surely that I've given him three sons, he will be attached to me. Levi means attached. It's interesting that he was attached to the wrong thing. Levi was attached to the money he was putting in his pocket and not to the God that he was called to serve. The rest of his name is important too because he's known as the son of Alpheus. The son of Alpheus. Alpheus was his father, and that name actually means changing. Changing from one to the other. And so think about this Levi's name literally means attached, son of changing. And you know, I just think about where we are as a culture, think about where we are as individuals, think about Levi himself. And how he longed for attachment, but he had attached himself to the wrong things. I think about you, I think about me, I think about so many people in our world, and I realize that we could be named this. The thing for us is we're longing for attachment, just like Levi. And the problem is we often attach ourselves to the wrong thing. And since it doesn't satisfy, we then detach and reattach. In other words, we are always changing our attachments. And this shows up in many different places in our lives. In my life, it can show up as well. It's the same for us. We struggle to find an attachment that is worth keeping and that lasts a long time. This shows up in all kinds of areas in our life. It certainly shows up monetarily. It shows up when it comes to our clothes or our car or the boots that we buy online. That's a different story altogether, right? Or it shows up in our job. And all along we feel like, oh, I want that newer car, that next model has come out. All along we feel like the styles have changed and I need to change or I need a better opportunity. This job isn't doing it for us. It's very, very easy to find the attachment detachment, reattachment thing happening in our material life. It's also there present in our relational life, whether it's a friend or a boss or a companion, a spouse. We can, we can have these, these times where we feel very attached, very connected, and then we disconnect. We feel detached because there was confrontation or there was disagreement or there was correction, and we recoil from that it happens recreationally as well i can move from hobby to activity to social group and all along looking to find something that i'm not quite finding and so i attach and i detach and i attach and i detach over and over and over again i'm bored so i change that's not working i'm not getting results i do this instead it happens emotionally we go up, we go down, we're happy, we're sad, we're satisfied, we're dissatisfied, and on and on and on, attach, detach, attach, detach, and eventually we get to a place where we just really feel like we resist commitment all This is a reality in our lives, in our culture, and even for Levi. It's very interesting that he was known as the son of change, that it was always changing. But what that is, really, friends, is that systemat- uh, symptomatic. It's symptomatic of something much deeper. The reason why we feel that longing to attach, but always feeling like maybe it's not quite the attachment that we need or we long for or that lasts, is because it's symptomatic of the fact that we long for something deeper. There's a deeper longing in us. It's a longing for real purpose. And we look for real purpose. We try to find it here and find it there. And because it never truly satisfies, we just move on. And there's nothing wrong. Don't stay if it's not satisfying, but let's find what really is. Let's find real purpose. You see, one of the values that we carry here at GT is that you, every one of you, would discover your purpose. Because that's the only way that you're going to actually finally settle into a fulfilling life. If you don't discover purpose you'll forever be trying to discover purpose so we want to help you do that it's important to us and we really think that you can you can find purpose by being on a team making a difference i feel like that really brings us to a place where we can find fulfillment it reminds me of simon he's a guy who goes to our church and and he you know he came here because he was curious he came here not because he was a Christian. In fact, he was pretty sure he wasn't going to do any of the things that we were going to suggest that he should do. But he came, and he came for a while, and then he, and then he went to GrowTrack. He's like, that looks pretty harmless. I'll do GrowTrack. So he went to GrowTrack, and at GrowTrack, he realized that his next step was to try out Alpha. He had questions. He wanted some answers, so he went to Alpha. And at, at Alpha weekend, he actually gave his life to Jesus. Something changed in him, and then he's like, okay, cool. I'm in. So he started serving. He started getting involved on team and he was making a difference he's now in a freedom group with another group of guys and and beyond that he feels like God spoke to him and said Simon I want you to help build my church I want you to be on the Esquimalt launch team and so now that's exactly what he's doing he's discovering purpose And there's always a new step in that. There's always an exciting journey in that. And so for many of us, we're just filling time. And in reality, what we long for is fulfillment. We need it. We're longing for it, but we can't seem to find it. We don't need another project. We need real purpose. Levi did too. And so Jesus invites him. He says, come and follow me. It's so interesting that he leaves it all behind. He gets up, and and it seems almost impulsive. He wasn't like, hey, Jesus, heard of you. Great miracles, by the way. Thanks for that. At 5 o'clock, I'll be off. And when I'm off, I'll look you up. Where will you be? I'll send you a text, right? None of that. He literally gets up immediately, and he leaves, and he follows jesus and 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 the reason why i believe the reason why that's the case is because of what we're talking about levi wanted to be attached to something real he was looking for deeper purpose there had to be more than this he knew he wasn't living his best life he knew he wasn't living his purpose and so when jesus showed up he said man this is my opportunity and so the bible actually says that he got up and he followed jesus We just had a conference here last week. It was our Rise Up, Illuminate Women's Conference. And it was awesome. It was, and I said this to my staff, and don't make weird comments about this or put it on Twitter, but I said it was the first time in my life where I was like, man, I wish I was a woman. (laughs) It was like so cool. It was awesome. It was an amazing conference full of life and energy, but, but the theme was so good. It was rise up. And I just feel like that's still the word today. There's somebody here today, you need to hear that. You need to get up. You need to rise up and attach yourself to Jesus. Rise up and follow me. That's what Jesus was saying here. And I just love this. Let me ask you a question, and then I'll answer it. <laughs> what happens when you get up and attach yourself to Jesus? What happens? I'll give you a couple of thoughts about that. I think the first thing that happens is Jesus immediately, he starts to redeem your past. Jesus redeems your past. That's what happens when you get up and you start following Jesus. He redeems your past. Some of you are here today and you feel like, my past is a mess. There is nothing redeemable about it. I want you to know Jesus is an amazing person to follow because when you follow Jesus, He takes your mess and He starts to make this beauty out of it and He starts to do what only He can do. He redeems your past. It's so good to know that all the stuff that's happened to you, all the pain, all the difficulty, all of the challenge, all the misdirected attention and efforts, once you put it into Jesus' hands, it actually finds meaning. And God begins to work in it and through it. It's unbelievable. When you get up and you follow Jesus... He redeems your past. Look at what happened. The next verse says this. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house. Now, can I just make something anecdotal for you here? It's kind of funny that Jesus says, Levi, come and follow me. The next verse, they're in Levi's house. So I I can just see it. It's kind of this funny exchange. Levi gets up, leaves everything, and starts following Jesus. And Jesus turns around and says, so where are we going? (laughs) Just the way my brain works. It's a bit weird. So he said, while he was having dinner with Jesus at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners, were, that should be in quotations, by the way, were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. Another anecdotal thought is, I just love it, that all these people were drawn to Jesus. None of these people were drawn to the Pharisees. All these tax collectors and sinners, they were drawn to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus was full of compassion. Jesus is the one who redeems. Jesus is the one that gives possibility. Jesus is the one that says, you're a tax collector, but you're supposed to be a servant of God. Come follow me. And as a result, people were drawn to him. And this was so puzzling and perplexing to the, the, uh, the leaders of the day. Now, let me just give you a point about this idea of sinners. I want to be very clear here, because that's a word that sometimes has caused great uh, concern, offense, um, misunderstanding for people. This word sinners here does mean a number of things. I'll tell you what it means. It means those who were wrong morally. Those who had made choices that were just wrong. Those who steal. Those who kill. Those who... um, who gossip and lie and cheat and so on and so forth, okay? It's a moral thing. But in this context, it was more than that. And, and this may actually have more meaning to you. It was also not just moral law that they were referring to here. You're a sinner. It means you haven't kept the moral law. You, it was also you were a sinner if you didn't keep the scribal law. And what that means is all the Jewish laws. Like, you don't wash your hands as many times as you're supposed to during the day. And you talk to that person, and you touch that thing you're not supposed to touch. And, oh, you didn't keep that holy holiday, and you didn't make that pilgrimage, and so on and so forth. So they would say, then, of course, you're a sinner. So if it wasn't just murderers and thieves that were around Jesus, it was everybody who felt like they didn't fit. It was everybody who felt like the mold just didn't work. Everybody who felt like they couldn't keep up with the religious obligations. Is anybody hearing me today? It's those kind of people that come to Jesus because Jesus redeems the past. And the next thing he does, I want to read on with you, verse 16. When the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, No, they didn't ask him, but they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Honestly, they were genuinely perplexed. They were like, listen, we're the religious guys. We're the guys who are kind of like doing what you do, Jesus. Why aren't you hanging out with us? What is the deal here? They were completely perplexed by Jesus' association. And the reason why is because they had no place to hang grace. They didn't understand grace at all. They understood law and rule, ritual and practice, a desire to move toward perfection, a a sense of, of a blind eye to the flaws And an elevation of what I want you to see, they understood hypocrisy, they understood legalism, they did not understand grace. And so I asked you, what happens? What happens when you get up and attach yourself to Jesus? The first thing is that Jesus begins to redeem your past, and the second thing is this you become a story of grace. You become a story of grace. And that is so very important. Because here's these Pharisees saying, Jesus, I don't get it. And what Jesus is saying is, you don't get grace. And they do. They're ready to receive it. They're positioned for it. And so you become a story of grace. Listen to what the response of Jesus is in verse 17. This will be the final verse we read today. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Another place, it says it a little bit more tenderly. It says, those who know they are sick. You see, there's a time in our lives where we come to a tension point like this and we realize something about ourselves. We realize our inadequacy, our need, our lack, and we run to Jesus and Jesus says, welcome home. Welcome to the hospital, because this is what this is all about. And the thing that I love about Jesus redeeming the past of Levi and him becoming a story of grace is Levi's house, with Jesus in it, becomes a hospital. And can I just say it this way? GT, with Jesus in it, becomes a hospital. That's the point. That is the point. And this was perplexing to the religious. Because the Pharisees were the insiders. And they're looking at Jesus and they're going, why are you hanging out with the outsiders? You you should want to hang out with us, the insiders. And there's something about human nature there for all of us to learn. As Christians, as people who are here in the house of God today, we all need to understand this element of human nature. Because church can be just like that. Church can be that place where it's easy to shift our focus to the righteous, if you will. Jesus said, I haven't come for the righteous, but to call the sinner. And we can easily become focused on the righteous, on the insider, on those who are healthy and just trying to improve their health a bit. And what ends up happening to us is we stop telling the story of grace. We stop telling Simon's story because Simon's not here. Right, We stop telling Isabel's story because there are no Isabel's. Because the only people who are here are the ones who are healthy. And we're just then going to try to make them a little healthier. And so we become a health spa instead of a hospital for the sick. And I know this seems a little bit harsh, and I certainly don't mean it to, because the majority of us, of, of us in this room are Christians, and so I just want, to, I want you to hear my heart here. If Jesus has rescued you, if you sing hallelujah, praise the one who set me free, right? If Jesus has rescued you, if you have the health of Jesus' blood flowing through your veins, what you need is spiritual exercise, not spiritual spa treatments. You, you, you don't need cucumbers on your eyes. You need to do what any doctor would tell you to do physically, but you need to do it spiritually. You need to eat right and exercise, right? Eat right. Pick up your Bible and feed on the Word of God. Eat. Fast and pray. And, 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 and in the middle of that, come on, do some exercise. Let's serve. Let's give. Let's get involved. Let's invest. Let's do this. And as a result, what happens to us is vitality finds us. Not from laying back in our chair with our avocado mud mask. It's from being out in the trenches and being the hands and feet of Jesus in the world around us. That's spiritual life. Spiritual health displayed for the world. If you're a Christian, your next step is to stop watching the game and to get in it. Let's play. Let's play. So if we're a hospital, come on everybody, let's put on our scrubs, let's get out our white coats and our stethoscopes, let's put a towel on our arm, and let's serve where the greatest need exists, because Jesus came for the sick, not for the healthy. Let's join him in his mission. But you know what, there are reasons why people don't step into purpose, and this is an invitation into purpose. That's what this message has been about, and that's what Jesus offers Levi and there's reasons why people don't step into that purpose. And, and the first one is, basically, I'm not sure I want to pay that cost. And the reason is because purpose has a cost. It has a high cost. Purpose has a cost. It costs Jesus' very life. But if you want to step into the purpose of God, it will cost you something as well. You see, when I look at the 12 disciples, I think of Levi specifically. And I have to say that I think he's probably the, the disciple that paid the highest cost to follow Jesus. The reason why is because he was wealthy, he had a lifestyle, and he also took a lot of flack from people because he was, a leave, he, was a, he was a tax collector. And yet, in the middle of all of that, he made the decision to walk away from it. He walked away from Rome. He walked away from Herod. He walked away from the resources in his pockets so that he could follow Jesus through the desert. I want you to think about that because purpose has a cost. It has a cost, but the cost is worth paying. And I'll just tell you this. I want to be clear. I'm talking a little bit about resources here. I'm talking a little bit about finances. And the reason why is because sometimes in order to fulfill the purpose of God, it will cost you something. For many of us, it's because we need to invest in the kingdom a little bit more. For some of us, it's that we look at our paycheck and we say, that's my money. And in reality, when you become someone who discovers the purpose of Jesus in your life, when you get up and attach yourself to him, you realize that it's his money and that he has a plan for it. And as a result, it starts to shift inside of you. There's a change that takes place and God starts to have his way. And just like Levi's house your money, your resources given to God start to play an incredible role in kingdom purposes. It's absolutely amazing. And that's why we have kingdom builders. You heard Pastor Lucas mention it. Because we really believe that God wants to use our resources to build his kingdom around the world. Because purpose has a cost. It has a cost. Second reason why people don't step into purpose is because they... They have a hard time saying no. And purpose requires you to say yes and no. Isn't that interesting? I went to um, Mucho Burrito for lunch this week. I like Mucho Burrito. The reason why I like it is because I'm from the southwest of the United States. And sometimes I just need something spicy and that's sort of Mexican. I just need it. I just need it. If you're Mexican, you should just come and see me because I miss you. Okay? So... Um, uh, So I I went to Mucho Burrito, and the thing that's so good about Mucho Burrito is you get to build your own burrito or bowl or whatever. This is not a commercial, and some of you are hungry, and I'm sorry, okay? But but the the storyline is is legit. So I, I was there, and I ordered my bowl, and you can put rice in it, and then you get to choose your protein, and you can put all these vegetables, and then you get to this place. Where there's like 20 different options of pickled this and roasted that and this sauce and that sauce and all that. And then, she, and then the lady did something to me that was like really unsettling. She, she, first of all, she stepped back and she showed me all the options and she said, you can pick four. <laughs> what is that about? <laughs> pick four? No, 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 I want them all. <laughs> Just a little bit of each, right? I have to pick Four? And I thought, man, what a, vivid, what a vivid illustration for us. We feel assaulted at that moment because we know every time we make a choice, that's one less choice we can make. It's one less thing I can have. And pretty soon I'm gonna be out of choices and it's gonna be over. And that's really unsettling for us. Why? Because we don't like that. We want to have it all. We get to that place where there's literally so many options that we're paralyzed to make any decision at all. And so we stand still and we don't decide because every time I say yes, I'm actually saying no. And purpose requires that we say yes and no. And our culture makes this even more difficult for us. Because your culture will tell you, you can be anything you want to be. And so what that does is that makes us feel super self-empowered, but it also makes us feel incredibly non-committal. Because as soon as I decide one thing, I have eliminated the options of anything else that I want to be. Are you seeing it? You understanding it? So as a result, people don't want to choose. They don't want to decide. And so they don't step into purpose because if I choose this path, it means I'm unchoosing another path. And as a result, I'll just stand here at the crossroads and I'll literally look at options. Options that really don't have anything to do with me that could certainly not be God's plan. But I just see them all and I look at them and I say, well, yeah, that's an option. And so I do absolutely nothing. Can I help you? I want to help you. And this is going to sound like I'm being a jerk, but I'm not. It's because I love you. Can I just tell you this? Okay, I'm going to look in the camera and you look in my eyes up there. Okay, you ready? All right. You cannot be anything you want to be. Let me say it again. You cannot be anything you want to be. You just can't. Just really think that one through. You can't. You can do a lot of changing in your life and in your career and even in your body, but you still can't be anything that you want to be, right? The truth is, you can't be anything you want to be, but you can be exactly what God wants you to be. Oh! So all of a sudden I feel some peace coming. Like this is there's a lot of tension in this message and I feel some peace coming. Why? Because God made me. I didn't make me. No wonder I'm confused at trying to make me, right? Trying to fix me. Trying to put me in a certain place. I didn't make me. I didn't get me here. And I can't get me where I need to be. But God knows the path and he's going to lead me as I get up and follow him. Wow, that's helpful. Because it puts me in a position where all of a sudden, I can see the designer at work in me. And I can realize that there's a fulfilling purpose for my life. Because the one who made me also wants to fulfill me. He has something for me and I want it. But so many people don't step into purpose because they're afraid to say no. They're afraid to say no. Because they just want to keep saying yes. But maybe we can switch that. It's not about saying no to everything else. It's about saying yes to Jesus. And when I say yes to Jesus, it doesn't matter what I've said no to, because I've said yes to the very best. And I can settle into that, and I can enjoy that, because the enemy wants to tempt me with options that lead me to paralysis, but let's get up. I mean, Jesus is walking. Levi, you've got to get up. Jesus is on his way. He said, follow him. You've got to go. There he goes. And I feel like today is one of those days where Jesus is coming by. He's saying to every single one of us, come on, follow me. I've got something for you. I've got a plan for you. I've got a destiny for you. I've got a fulfilling purpose for you. Come on, follow me. I think there's another reason why people don't actually step into purpose. And And I think it's because the truth is, purpose is as much about others as it is about us. And that's kind of hard for us. Because we want it to be about us first and about others second. A byproduct is that others would benefit, but me, I should benefit first. And the truth is, is when we step into purpose and we follow Jesus, we realize that's, this is exactly what he did. It was all about you when Jesus lived out his purpose. And it's not, it it shouldn't then surprise us that our purpose is about others and as much about others as it is about us. Oh, and let's go back to our character for just a minute. Let's go back to Levi for just a second. I'm wrapping up now. We think about Levi, the tax collector, whose name literally means attachment, son of changing. The interesting thing is when he got up and he attached himself to Jesus, he became Matthew. Yes, that Matthew. The one who wrote the first book in the New Testament. The one who gives us the most beautiful, intimate, and specific Details about the birth of Jesus Christ. The, the Matthew that told us things about Jesus that nobody else told us. That Matthew. That's the tax collector who became a theologian and a scholar because he got up and he followed Jesus. Yeah, it's happening. I know. It's happening. We feel it, it's real. Because what we get to see in a glance is we get to see the whole picture from beginning to end. We get to see what happens when somebody chooses a different path, when they they accept the invitation to walk into purpose. You see, Matthew, his name, the name that Jesus gave him, his apostolic name means gift of God. And this is so important because that's exactly what happens to us when we get up and we attach ourselves to Jesus. We discover purpose. We become God's gift to so many. Listen, I got to tell you, you are the gift of God that someone needs. And so get up and follow Jesus. Get up and follow him and let him remake you. No more attaching and detaching. No more changing and shifting. Become the gift of God that your purpose defines you to be as you step into all that God has for you. And as we've considered all these reasons why people don't step into purpose, I haven't given you the reason why you have to. (laughs) Can I do that? Why you must. I can't force you, but why you must. Why must you step into purpose? Because your purpose has an eternal effect on others. Your purpose is linked to somebody else's purpose and the discovery for them. That's just how God does it. It's like Isabel. She's in our church. She's fiery, she's little, but she's big. Like she is full of life. And Isabel, this precious gift to our church came and she just wanted to learn how to fall in love with Jesus. She didn't want religion anymore. She wanted a relationship with Jesus. She fell in love with Jesus. And in the process of falling in love with Jesus, she did do Grow Track. And after doing Grow Track, she started serving on the cafe team and serving at Dream Women. And now she's leading a small group. And at the last baptism, she got baptized. And listen, I know it's so exciting, it's so beautiful. Her journey is so precious. But it's not the most important part or the reason why I'm pulling it out. The reason why I'm pulling it out is because I said to you, your purpose has an eternal effect on others. And I want to tell you that every one of her children and her husband are now attending this church and are serving God in many places here. Isabel's decision directly affected the future outcome of her entire family and way beyond. Way beyond. Get up and follow him. Will you bow your heads with me? Let's take a minute. Let's pray together. I want to lead you through a couple of thoughts as we we bow together and pray. You see, Jesus is inviting us to step into purpose, to get up and attach ourselves to him. And maybe you're here today and you're new in your journey of faith or you're here and you're exploring. And I, I just want you to hear that one piece that Jesus, Jesus, yes, Jesus himself is inviting you to follow him. You might want to disqualify yourself or place distance between yourself and him, but I just want you to see, just like Levi, the tax collector, the most unlikely person to be called, was called out by Jesus, and so are you. You're called to follow him. You're hearing this message today, and it starts with you giving him your life. The Bible tells us that Jesus stands at the door knocking. That's his pursuit of you. That's him saying, come follow me, come on, come out of that house, come out of that place, open the door, let me in, let's do this together, and I'm going to take you on a purposeful journey. Maybe you're here today and that's where you're at, and you just simply need to say, Jesus, I'm opening the door of my heart to you, come and live inside of me. Come, because I want to follow you. Just like Levi had you in his house, come and be in this house. Come and be in my life. Come and live here. Come and be Lord here in me. I think for others of us, you're here in this service today, you're hearing the message, and what's resonating with you or what's, what's, what you're struggling with today is that idea that you understand the attachment to wrong things. You understand it, and you're frustrated by it. You feel stuck in it. It's been, it's been a, a long-term attachment. Sometimes we call those addictions. It's been this place where you felt that you're bound up and you're stuck. And, and even though it changes or it shifts, it never really goes away because there's a longing for something more. And I'm wondering if maybe you could just simply bow as we're bowing now and just say to God, God, forgive me. Forgive me for the wrong attachments. Forgive me for for the things that I've longed for, the things that I've tried to fill my life with that aren't you. And, And God, I pray that you change my desire. You can say that. Change my desire so that what I long for is not an attachment to another thing or another person, but to the God who loves me and made me, to you, Jesus. Attach myself to you. There's a third group I want to speak to briefly as time is escaping and our messages come to a close and it's simply that group of people who are Christians but you know you're not living out your purpose and I want you to know that's why we're here to practically help you and, and really someday when, when your life is over and you have the privilege of standing before God in heaven I want you to be able to say God, I followed you I took you up on the opportunities that were right in front of me. I did go to Grow Track. I do serve on the team at my church. I, I have created a giving plan in my life. And, and, I, and I've even, I, you know, Lord, I found that place on the website where it says pray every day and I picked a day and I've been praying, fellowshipping with you. You see, we try to create as many opportunities as, as we can so that you have an opportunity to have the most fulfilling life you could possibly have. And so much of what we do is not about what we do here on a Sunday, but it's what we do in this city. It's what we do for those who are in need. It's what we do around the world. And God's calling you to be a part of that. For some of you, it might be as simple as just saying, hey, that spring break kids camp is coming up. I should help. That would jumpstart my commitment to following Jesus. Get up and follow him. Let's do it friends. Father in heaven, I thank you for every person in the room. I know how specific the journey is for individuals. And I just trust you, Holy Spirit. I really do. I trust you, Lord, that you're speaking the message right to people's hearts where they need it. They're picking up what they need. They're hearing your voice. They're finding direction and Lord, you are leading them. And I'm so thankful for that. So I pray in Jesus' name for that one that's reaching out to you and saying, Jesus, come and live in my heart. I open up the door of my life to you. Come and live here. I give you the Lordship for that one that's saying, Lord, I'm shifting my attachments for the very last time and I'm making you my desire. And for those, Lord, that are saying yes to purpose by practically serving, by being a part of this great house and about working for you, God, I pray in Jesus' name that they would feel excited and energized and ready, God, because it's a great and exciting, fulfilling purpose. And Lord, as I close, I just want to say thank you. Thank you, God. You don't need us but yet you choose to use us. You didn't need Levi. You don't need me. But God, you you know how fulfilling it is for me to serve you. So thank you for making a place for that. Thank you for that. You designed us. You know what we need. Give us the courage to respond in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't we uh, stand together? You know, it's our custom to sing a song together at the end of the service, and we're going to do that now. I want to remind you that in front of you are three cards. Pastor Lucas mentioned the I'm New card. There's a My Decision card and a Next Steps card. And I have a feeling that one of those cards applies to your journey today and certainly applies to this message. Are you making a decision? Are you needing a next step? Are you ready to serve? Hey, let's, let's not let this message die when we leave the room. Let's take the heart of it with us. I love you very much. God bless you. Let's sing.